It's Monday the 2nd of May 2022. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. My guest this week is, this week is Dagny Hulte Erlandsdottir, a broadcast journalist here at Rove. Welcome to you. Thank you. Um, this week, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has been high on domestic news pages as well as the foreign, with the addition of Icelandic names to the Russian authorities' blacklist, as well as promises from the government that the move will not change Icelandic policy. Also, Reykjavik now has a Kiev square right next to the Russian embassy. The embassy's response online was one of, so what? After more than a million tests, the capital region COVID-19 testing centre at Söderlandsbrit has closed its doors for the last time, with testing moving to Mjolt. At the same time, the civil protection alert level for the virus has dropped from danger to uncertainty, the lowest alert level. Despite this, life is not yet all rainbows and unicorns for the nation's nurses and doctors, however. Yesterday was International Workers' Day and would have been a public holiday in Iceland if it had not fallen on a Sunday. The day is arguably the most important one of the year for the trades unions and features rallies, parades and all sorts of other events. Yesterday was no exemption, uh, despite the ongoing controversy surrounding the nation's second biggest union, Eplink. There's little mo- little movement on the Eastlandsbanki front, though there was a fourth Saturday in a row of protests outside Parliament calling for the finance minister to resign and the sale of the state's shares to be reversed. For his part, finance minister Bjarni Benediktsson says he understands people's anger but says that history will show they are overreacting. No year would be complete without a political sex scandal. The one last week centres entirely on one opposition MP's actions, or more more accurately writings, eight years ago in Thailand before he was a politician. The case has risen some questions about what is and what is not acceptable, what is and is not real news, and what MPs can and cannot reasonably expect to get away with in the past, especially before they became MPs. And finally, with local elections next week, more people have been voting earlier than they did in 2018, though most will still wait for Saturday the 14th. If you've lived in Iceland for three years or longer, you can vote. So, where would you like to begin? Mm. Yes, Tungata and Gadastreti. Why? What's going on there? Uh, <laughs> last week, the planning council of Reykjavik City agreed that uh, there's a there's a garden there and a square that from from now on it will be called uh, Kiev Square or or Kainugar, Torg. Yeah, it's Kainugarder is an old Icelandic word for hmm. Kiev, which has been used a lot in the media recently. But I hadn't really heard of it uh, before the war started. Uh, before we get into the square thing, do you know what's the origin of the word? Why has Icelandic got a special word for Kiev? Well, I, the the Vikings went there some centuries ago. Uh, Kaina means ship. Yeah, so okay. it, maybe there were good ships there. It's yes, it's not on the coast, though, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. So the location, the the city of Reykjavik, brought up in already in March that they were going to do this or wanted to do this. Name a street or a square, in honor of Ukraine and or Kiev. Um, the choice of this one is quite significant, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, on Karlstræti is the Russian embassy. On Tungata is the consular section of the Russian embassy where people go to apply for a visa to go to Russia. And I think that on the corner of Karlstræti and Tungata is the house 
where the ambassador of Russia in Iceland lives. So it's quite close to the Kiev Square. Yeah. At least there's a Russian flag there. So I think it's where he lives. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, let's say, not a coincidence? No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and uh, during maybe the last one or two years, there have been protests on Tunkata and Karastraiti mm. against, uh, yeah, all kinds of actions from the Russian government. Yeah. Any. Th- Anything, what do you make of the reaction from the embassy itself to to it? Can they really care as little as they said they do? Uh, it's hard to say. Yeah, but they, they pointed out that many streets in Russia have name referring to some places in Ukraine too. But they must care. Mm. Yeah. But it's, they, they often say this. It, it Like they said about the sanctions that it wouldn't hurt them. But every now and then it seems they are quite angry about them. Yeah. I mean, that's. I suppose that's just diplomacy, isn't it? You don't always say precisely what's on your mind. That's mm-hmm. the meaning of the word diplomacy, I suppose. Yeah. Um, the Russian Foreign Ministry has included nine Icelandic names, I believe, on its blacklist, as well as three Greenlanders, three Faroese people and 16 uh, Norwegians. Mm-hmm. these people are not told that they're on the list and may never find out. But if they apply for a visa to visit Russia, it will be rejected. Yeah, but then I also read somewhere that uh, the Russian parliament has to agree the, that these na- those names will be on the blacklist and that perhaps it will be public after that. So we, we'll see. Okay. But at least now, no one knows... And uh, there's on the on the website of the Russian Foreign Embassy, uh, there's a statement about this. And th- uh, the bottom line is something like uh, that this will be continued. And it has been like this since Friday. So we're waiting for something, something mm. new. Mm. Question of how long this can last for, reasonably expected to last for. I suppose most people in Iceland probably are not queuing up to visit Russia at the moment. Um, Maybe a year from now, hopefully if the crisis is over and the war is finished, maybe some will want to go to Russia. You know, how long will this blacklist last for? We have no no way of knowing. Ten years from now, maybe one of these people wants to visit Russia and they're like, mystified as to the reason why their visa is rejected. Uh, so it's, a, it's perhaps a slow burn um, policy. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, I don't know anyone that is going to Russia at the moment and no one knows when it will be safe or when it will be possible because there are, as far as I know, no flights from Europe direct to Russia. You can go from Serbia, I think, and from Turkey. Mm. But so it's more complicated than it used to be to mm. travel to Russia, yeah. And with the uh, economic uh, sanctions in place, there's perhaps less reason to visit Russia at the moment because my understanding is a lot of people in the tech side of the fishing industry re- regularly visit Russia because there's Icelandic machinery and, and, and fishing technology being used there and they go for servicing and to set up and things. And it's a surprisingly lucrative business, but that 
isn't happening at all at the moment. So the incentives for people to go there are also removed for the time being. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, maybe those technical specialists go through Turkey to Russia. I don't know. Mm. Could be. Or, yeah, I mean, yeah. even if if they are needed at the moment, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any other moves on this? We've got, um, obviously, a city stream of Ukrainian refugees coming to Iceland. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the last I checked, I, I believe it was slightly more than they had been expecting. But the the, the system set up is coping so far. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And that it seems that everyone is trying to help, trying to find houses and 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 help the people from Ukraine. And uh, in March, there was a survey uh, that's, that results were that 99% of people in Iceland are against, against the invasion and only 1% is supporting Russia. Mm. So I think that will last, yeah. I agree, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, obviously... With time, the the shock of the of the invasion was such that I think everyone had a very strong reaction. Uh, most people have kept that, but you know, if, if Russia has an opportunity to to get its message out and to get more sympathy, it's coming up now. So we'll see if those numbers hold up. But a ninety nine to one start is, you know, almost no opinion poll of any sort will give you those those responses. No. So and. Uh the propaganda from the Russian government, it seems it it won't change that. No, and no. it isn't changing either. The, 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 the argument doesn't seem to be evolving very much. No. Okay. Uh, anything else to add on that or should we move on? Yeah, we can move on. Okay. What else stands out to you? Mm, yeah. Uh, last week there was a scandal. There was. At the apartment, yeah. In inverted commas, I don't want to call something a scandal if it isn't. Was it a scandal, do you think? Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was quite shocked when I read this. Yeah. I was, yeah. The Some of the response to the news, though, especially when it first came out, was, why are you reporting on this? So some single guy eight years ago who wasn't a politician did this, did a, did or did not do a thing. How do you respond to that? Yeah, yeah. I I've heard that. Uh well, I don't agree. Uh many specialists uh, who have worked with people who have been in prostitution, they have uh they've pointed out that this is one form of sexual violence. But to point out, uh Thomas has said that this that he did not pay for sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, but uh and that uh, that people afterwards were trying to get out of prostitution. They, you know, they they are depressed. They have thoughts about suicide. Some try to commit suicide. So it's it's very serious. Yeah, and it's Ill- illegal in Iceland and in most European countries, I think. Mm. So yeah, yeah, and the parliament is deciding how much uh, how to fund the police. To fight this and and how much uh, how much money to put in to to help people who are trying to get out. So I think it's important for us to know to know things like this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the, that was the media perspective last week when this was reported on, that it is in the public interest to tell people about it. What about consequences, if there will be any? His party's standing behind him. Yeah, proudly, they say. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they say that it's not appropriate to talk about women in this way. He said something about, you know. It was quite, um, yeah. what's the word? Blue language, quite disrespectful. Um, yeah. Yeah, and the chairman of... The deeply sexual. Yeah, yeah, the People's Party said it's it's not a great to talk like this, but mm. it happened eight years ago and, yeah, they are supporting him. There will be no consequences, at least not inside his political party. No. <clears throat> and we... we the, the the prostitution claim is anecdotal. It's it's reading between the lines. There's no concrete evidence that he did pay for sex. Um, and so you know, yeah, it is just his word against anyone else's, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and yeah, some may believe him, but uh, it is known that uh, massage salons in Thailand. That, they offer people to pay for sex. And, yeah, so, yes, many read between the lines that, that that's what it was. Mm. Yeah, but, but he denies that. There's the, the, the moral question of, regardless of if there's prostitution or not, of, of older, relatively wealthy Icelandic men going on a holiday to Thailand, specifically with the intention of having lots of sex with young women... And regardless of prostitution or not, there's obviously moral questions around that, but they're not legal questions, especially when someone isn't a politician and then goes on to become a politician in the future. Um, it's, a, it's a very interesting area, this conversation. The, the whole debate around this point has been really interesting from a number of different angles, hasn't it? Yeah, and, and many point out this imbalance of power and it is known that uh, sex workers in Thailand, they, they come from areas uh, where, where people are poor. Uh, they maybe don't have much opportunities for education and get a decent job to provide for themselves and their families. Mm. So, I mean, yeah, you could say that maybe Western men are, are taking advantage. Of that, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's even controversial. It, that's the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What about any future consequences? The party's standing behind him, um, but the attacks against him and his personality are ongoing um, from certain, like, women's rights groups, for example, and mm -hmm. uh, presumably from MPs of other parties as well, although I haven't really heard much of that. No. This came up maybe Thursday, Friday. Yeah. yeah. I think it was Thursday. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure there has been a meeting at Parliament since then. But so. But the screenshot in question had been shared online for a couple of weeks before that. And I think most people had seen it before it was in the news. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And I yeah. certainly had. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's yeah, not a surprise? No. So we will we'll just have to see how, how things will turn this week. Hmm. Is there any political recourse, any procedure that could be followed? Can you, can Parliament punish an MP for something they did before they were an MP? Uh, not, it, 
wasn't a crime even. Yeah, I have not heard about anything like that, but I'm not a lawyer, so mm. I can't really say. Because, of course, Parliament does have its code of ethics, um, mm-hmm. rules that members must abide by or should abide by, and mm-hmm. they can be punished for that. Yeah. But that's during the time that they are a politician. Yeah, that's correct. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you think this will bring up any other situations? Because sometimes these things are a bit like a, a rolling rock, aren't they? Um, one case then illuminates other cases. Do you think that might happen? With other people, I mean? Mm. It's hard to say. It is, yeah. isn't it? It's an unfair yeah. question, I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, but it does, yeah. all, does all link in very strongly and very well with the, the Me Too movement, which is as prominent in in Icelandic public debate as it has been. Yeah, yeah, it has. For several years now. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So, so hopefully people are learning and <laughs> changing and adapting their behaviours, because it was eight years ago. Um, eight years from now, hopefully it will be even less acceptable. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this... Yeah, if we try to take something good out of this, maybe it's a chance to educate those who think it's okay to pay for sex in Thailand. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Anything else to add? Or no, thank you. <laughs> okay. What else was on the list? Um, we've got the obviously the elections coming up next week. Um, this whole program is devoted to the election next week. By the way, we're having an election special. Um, COVID things, which is, it's, it's nice to have COVID news that is also not really news. <laughs> it was yeah. kind of a news, not news thing. Uh, 1st of May, yesterday, Workers' Day and Epling. What do you think? Yeah, well, uh, I noticed that, uh, Solverna Jonsdottir, the, the chairman of Epling, did not give a speech yesterday and, uh, Lately, all the people who work at the office of Epling were fired. So many are concerned because obviously they are professionals. And is it possible to find new ones? They will have, would they have to train people for years? Or are they applying for their jobs again? So, yeah. And and it seems... uh, that uh, many don't agree with Solverna, like Drivas uh, Snaital at the Icelandic Confederation of Labour. She has criticised this decision. Mm-hmm. And that's significant because the Icelandic Confederation of Labour is sort of the umbrella organisation over lots of other unions, including Epling. So she's, mm-hmm. you can't call her the boss of Epling's boss. There's not, that's not the way it works, but it, very... Um, Prominent and influential, certainly. Yeah, yeah, and and many of the leaders have said that firing people in people in big groups like that is something that they have been fighting against. So they don't agree with it. No, many of them. And then there was um, what's it called, Bauran Stjetafilag, um, in the news this weekend for saying that it was a bad thing to do as well uh, Epling I don't know how they fit into the how they fit into the picture but they are a different union and and Vafer as well VR have been critical of the move um, but she was given a mandate from 
members of Epling. They held a, a, an open mm-hmm. meeting for all members last week and, and she won. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and she was re-elected recently. She was first elected in 2018, mm-hmm. resigned late last year, and, and she was elected again, yeah. With with what she would say was a policy of doing exactly this, cleaning the shop and, and making Epling powerful again, or, or, or more powerful. Yeah, And yeah. That to do that, she would need to sack all of the staff that have been causing problems and, and start afresh. And she says that's been the policy all along. And then, yeah, the members of the union uh, did vote to approve this last week. So maybe yeah. all of the critics should just shut up, hey? <laughs> or what? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. There were maybe three or four hundred people at the meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It was about 300. Yeah. 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 So, and the the union has got tens of thousands of members. Yeah, isn't it the second largest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But at the same time, when unions hold meetings, they are almost always small. You, like getting the average Jon Jonsson member from whichever to go to an actual meeting in in person, it's it's really hard. And all unions do suffer with that. So yeah, we can't say that a three hundred person meeting was tiny. We you have to compare it to other meetings. Yeah. And maybe it was quite a big meeting. I don't know, comparatively. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess that those who really care, care strongly about either way, mm. yeah, showed up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, the people criticising this move and wanting to reverse it showed up in, in great numbers and, and with, you know, um, strong opinions that they were willing to voice and they lost the vote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, from an internal Epling point of view, surely the story is over now. It's just it's a done deal. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, they have uh, advertised that these, these jobs are looking for people. So, mm. yeah, they're probably hiring soon. I guess so. And how does this fit into the bigger picture of yesterday? Because it was International Workers' Day. So all of the trade unions in Iceland and you know, other groups as well, turn out onto the streets, if you will, and they hold events and um, make a noise for workers' rights, as as is their right and their duty. Um, and perhaps more important this year than it has been for a long time, because first of all, last year and the year before, it didn't happen because <laughs> of COVID. And also, um, this autumn is negotiating season for, for new contracts. So Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess they all... They all want the same. They want better salaries and better circumstances for people working. But uh, it seems they are not maybe not as united as they could be because of this. But maybe that is something they can they can work on this summer. We'll see. Well, they'll have to. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and especially because you mentioned uh, Drivas Nadal and the uh, Confederation of Icelandic uh, Labour. They really come into their own. They're very, very important in in the negotiations with employers, uh, the collective bargaining negotiations, aren't they? And so they do need to all be on the same page. Yeah, that's that's very important. Yeah. And four was it four years ago the last time the Leafs or something good? Four years, I think it was twenty eighteen. Yeah. Nineteen. Not sure. Spring twenty nineteen. Um, Waffer and Epling 
really took the lead jointly between them and they were fighting the same fight, it seemed. And, and the leadership is very friendly and very united. And at the moment, the way things stand, those two unions are not on the same page at the moment because of this issue. And that could affect all of us, it, potentially, if the, if the negotiations don't go well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, there's a lot at stake, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. But uh, at least uh, in the beginning, I think the chairman of Affair, he supported Solvana. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but he's been critical of the laying off of all, all, all the workers. Yeah, yeah. Um, as he would be, because a lot of those people that worked at Epling uh, are members of Affair. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good idea. If you work for a union, you should be a member of a different union. I think that's yeah. That's a lesson that people will learn. Yeah, because yeah. some of them were m members of Epling, and presumably they're not getting the best service right now. No, no one at the office. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it's not funny. No. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think we've got time for briefly to talk about one other thing, although the time is running away from us. Um, I've lost the page. Here we go. So, yeah, maybe a brief word on the election, because I'm still hearing, despite the fact that it has been quite quite widely um, publicised, that everyone who's lived in Iceland for three years or longer can vote in these elections. I think it's a really important point to drive home. Um, local elections happening in all constituencies of Iceland on the 14th of May, but early voting has already started. Mm -hmm. Have you voted? Not yet? No, I haven't decided, mm -hmm. so I can't vote. No. Yep. <laughs> Same. I think most people haven't. We're in the middle of the sort of the debate season now. Yeah. Um, what are some of the big issues at the moment? Because it's different to Parliament, isn't it? People yeah. are thinking about different things. Yeah, and my feeling is that uh, there have been... It hasn't been maybe the the top headlines yet, because we have the Islas Banki and... Yeah, another big news, but uh, there's a lot of discussion and it seems to me that it's uh, housing and uh, transportation mm. and and kindergartens. Yeah. I think in, in most towns in Iceland, uh, there's this gap. People have a leave for, for 12 months after their child is born and then they maybe get into kindergarten when the kids are two years old or two and a half and it's hard for people to know where to find someone mm. yeah day parents yeah. yeah yeah but uh, in some towns there are only a few not not enough so this is yeah it's it's very important it and, is because so. the society places so much emphasis on on people being able to have a family and a career so you yeah. need to be able to follow up on this and, yeah. and, and take care of the children. Yeah. And of course, to, to provide for your family, you, ha you have to work when you don't uh, get payments when you're on a leave. Mm. So, yeah, I think it's important almost everywhere. Yeah. And of course, housing. Uh, the price for apartments, especially here in the capital area, has been just skyrocketing. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it's all also very expensive to rent an apartment and no one knows where this will end. So for many years, people have been calling for just simple apartments 
affordable, but it seems that uh, most of the new apartments, they are luxurious and young people can't buy them. So That's because builders are the ones building them and builders know that they'll get the most money from more luxurious apartments. Yeah. There's less money in building small. Yeah, so... Which is something, that is where politicians can step in and do something. And yeah. Make and it worth their while. Yeah, and that's what people are calling for, I think. Yeah, in most places. How much is it? How much of that is national and how much of it is municipal, do you think? This sort of division of power, division of responsibility over Ooh. that sort of thing. It's hard to say, but of course uh, the municipal uh, gives out uh, the land mm. and they can have some re- restrictions. You you get this and you promise to build affordable apartments, for mm-hmm. example. I think they could do that. Yeah, they do do that overseas, yeah. Yeah. certainly. Yeah. yeah, You must have a certain percentage of affordable housing. Yeah. So. Good point. Okay, well, on that note, a constructive note to end on, um, The Week in Iceland will be back with you for an election special, as I mentioned, next week, Monday the 9th of May. It'll be on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your preferred podcast platform. That just leaves me to thank my guest today, Dagny Hulte-Erlensdottir. Thank you for coming. Thank you. And also Lydia Gretesdottir for running the studio. We finished today's programme on a light note with Yoipie Okroli, usually known as rappers, but here singing their bid to be one of the summer's big hits. This wholesome and catchy little number is called Thrikketima Brutkrip. Bye for now. Tryggja tíma, brug upp og svo sund Vera úti, seint og